Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey guys, so we have a really great show for you today, but before we get to that, I want to tell you something really exciting about what's happening with The Crunch. So, last week, you all know, we interviewed Daniel and Anna Glaze, but what you may not know, which I I might have said on the podcast, I don't remember, what you may not know is before, Daniel and I had a very super secret meeting where we sat down and we talked about what I'm doing wrong with The Crunch, (laughs) everything that I need to fix and mainly, that's Patreon. Patreon is how you can support The Crunch. You can tell us, hey, we love what you're doing, and we'd love for you to do it some more. All of our patrons are fantastic, and they're great people, and we fail them constantly. And I feel like I'm always apologizing, and so I realized this past week, I'm like, you know what, Daniel, I'm done apologizing. I want to be a better Patreon creator for my patrons. So, the first step to revamping Patreon is we released a survey. And the survey is for everybody. It's for all of you. If you listen to The Crunch, if you're a patron, if you're not a patron, fill it out. Um, I'm putting the link in the description, in the episode description, and also on my Twitter, The Crunch's Twitter, and The Crunch's Facebook. It's one question. You click four boxes. You choose. There's a list of what we could reward you with if you were a patron. You click your top four things, and you hit submit, and you're done. Even if you're not a patron, let us know what would make you want to become a patron. If we could give you more physical goodies, more merchandise, if you want more bonus exclusive content, if you want face-to-face time with us, what would make you want to support us monetarily and keep this show going? This show is free, and it always will be. Patreon is just something that we're doing that helps us make this show bigger than two guys sitting in their dorm talking into microphones. As always, patrons, thank you so much for your support. I'm really excited with some of the ideas that I've written down so far, and I can't wait to implement them, so stick with us. Once again, the Patreon survey is in the episode description below. It's on my Twitter, at CatholicPat. It's at The Crunch's Twitter, at The Crunchcast, or Facebook.com slash The Crunchcast. Without further ado, episode 94 I think. Welcome to The Crunch, episode 94. I am Patrick Nevy, your host. Today, I am co-hostless again. Well, sorry, no, Ethanless again. I am co-hosted. I am co-hosted with, from the Jesuitical show, I said that right, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I did it. Okay. With Zach Davis from the Jesuitical Show. How are you, Zach? What's up, Patrick? I'm I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm doing fantastic. I I'm so I'm so honored to be on the crunch. It's it's truly it's truly the highest honor in all of Catholic broadcasting. I'm sorry to let to I know you've had like gubernatorial interviewees. <sighs> And and media people on your show, but listen, this this show right here in 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 my bedroom is the best show on the Catholic airwaves. 
No, this is the Met Gala, truly, of, this- of <laughs> broadcasting. You're right. I heard that episode too. I was like, I was like, oh, I want to, I want to like listen to the Jesuitical show and like get get to know get to know these guys. And so I, I listened to the the governor episode from the guy from Washington State, and I listened to the Met Gala episode. And those, those oh, are, good. Yep. Those what, are some those are some good starting points. Yeah. What was funny was I had actually. I actually been to Washington earlier this year and he was talking about the, the uh, vineyards in Washington. And I actually did know that Washington state is a very whiny state. It's what, like, yeah, what, who would have, who would have known? I didn't, I didn't, I guess it's all, all, yeah. all the rain is just good for the grapes. I guess that makes sense. It does make sense, but you know, you don't ever hear about Washington, the state of Washington's wine production. But, apparently uh, apparently Cyrus... all the hipsters from Oregon fly down to Walla Walla, <laughs> Washington and hang out. For the weekend and then go back that's probably the that makes thing. sense yeah so so yeah so so zach is joining me i'm all the way here in houston zach is all the way in manhattan i thought that america magazine was in washington dc but i was wrong zach some some of the people the people of this show might not be familiar with whom you are and and what you do so could you just give us the lowdown real quick like the tldr version of your of who you are as a person absolutely uh tldr uh i'm an associate editor at America Media, um, which publishes America Magazine. Uh, and the magazine's been published since uh, 1909. Um, so we've been around the block a few times. Uh, we're, in, we're in New York City, and uh, we are a work of the Society of Jesus. So we are published by the Jesuits. I, I am not a Jesuit. I'm a, I'm a layperson, but I, am, uh, I work with a bunch of Jesuits. And so I'm also the, the, one of the co-hosts of Jesuitical, which is a podcast uh, not made by Je- Jesuits, but the people that work with them, uh, and it's sort of directed at young adult Catholics as well. Yeah, and you guys have been—you uh, guys have been going for about like almost—is it, is it been more than a year yet? Yeah, yeah, we started in uh, Lent of 2016. Okay, no, sweet. no, wait, 2017. Lent of 2017. So, oh, Lent of 2017. Uh, okay, yeah, so a little over a year. I remember, I remember like where I was. I was in a classroom when I saw the first episode posted. I don't remember what class I was taking, so, so that's 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 the issue. As that's long as you remember me and not the class, that's I'm I'm good with that. That's all I remember was like I texted Ethan and I said the Jesuits are coming for us. <laughs> <laughs> Sooner or later, fend them off as long as you want. But, but they they're are, they're, they're coming. coming. They're coming. Yeah. It's true. I'm sure. I'm sure you know if you ever I, you've listened to the Crunch at least a little bit. I'm sure you know we are a Franciscan podcast. We are not 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 affiliated, but when when you go to Fran- the Franciscan University of Steubenville, you're branded for life. Um, I feel like it's similar right. with America Magazine. Once you once you work there, you're branded. You're 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 a Jesuit person. Yeah, you can't really get the smell off of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, yeah, and I. I am from Ohio. So, and I, you know, I've been to a, I've been to a Steubenville, um, mm. on Steubenville's campus. So, uh, I had a cousin who went to Steubenville. So I'm, I'm very familiar and I have great admiration. Uh, yeah, I, I do love the school. I do love school. Yeah. And I mean, I have a great, so, so we, so we dispel any, any, there's no, I'm, I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to say it right here. Everyone, everyone <laughs> listening to me, come close, come very close to your speakers. If you're wearing headphones, find a way to come closer to those. This is not a Jesuit hating podcast. This is a Jesuit acceptance zone. This is a safe space for Jesuit. Never mind. This is a good place. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I feel the love. No, I do. That's good. Um, did you? When did you? When did you uh, first know what a Jesuit was? Though I'm curious. When did I first know what a Jesuit was? Okay, so yeah. my first encounter with the word Jesuit 
was in my freshman history class in high school when my ex-Catholic history professor started talking about the Middle Ages. So it was not a good first year. And so I was always like, what? And then later in high school, when I started learning about religious orders, I was like, oh, Jesuits are a religious order. And also, Jesuits are the butt of a lot of jokes. (laughs) That's what I learned about Yeah, there's so many good Jesuit jokes. Goodness. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 you're you're at headquarters right now, so we probably shouldn't exchange Jesuit jokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Father James Martin's got this room bugged, so I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather not. Do you get work fired. in the same building as Father James Martin, SJ? I, I do. He just walked by. No way. Sort of, yeah, he just gave me a little wave as I was recording the recording this. Wait, that's so that's that's pretty funny. We we yeah. had a run in with um with the 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 most the most famous person in our building, Doctor Scott Hahn. He walked past our live show 15 minutes after it was done recording and we felt like we had missed a huge opportunity to get uh, it was the worst we actually asked so him to parents. be on the show but he refused yeah any luck well he said yes and then like his assistant didn't follow through and it's one of the it's one of the worst it's one of the most sorrowful moments in in crunch history when we almost got dr scott Hahn on the pod but in hindsight he's like 50 years old and this is a young adult podcast so like talking to him and be like hey dr Hahn." the youth and he'd be like oh covenant 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 what <laughs> there's a little bit of a, je- of a of an age gap there but right know. so yeah. you so go ahead what were you saying i was just saying i didn't uh so you found out the jesuits much before i did i did not know what a jesuit was until i uh like i said i grew up in ohio but went to college uh at loyola chicago go rambler go sister Jean. um but <laughs> yeah. i didn't I, I didn't know what a jesuit was until i got there um, you oh, know, wow. even when I was like in high school thinking about priesthood, it was always like, okay, you become, you can become a diocesan priest and that's right. Yeah. Um, like then no one ever sat me down and explained to me there were, there were several routes you could go. Uh, but that's all, I mean, that could be an effect of my public school education as well. I mean, yeah, I, I, I am, I am a proud public school grad as well. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, Hmm. So you didn't even know what a Loyola was when you went to Loyola? Nope, nope. Did, no. I didn't know what a I didn't know what a Loyola was, what a Jesuit was, or what a Rambler was, which is our mascot. Ooh, this is awkward. I also don't know what a Rambler is. No, it's okay. It's uh, it, it's not a it's not a great history. Uh, so when when Loyola had a, uh, a, we used to have a football team in our early days, and we didn't have a home stadium, and so we would just get invited, and we were also terrible, and so we get invited <laughs> to other schools homecoming games so it'd be a guaranteed win for them and so we were just the the rambling team in the chicagoland area uh which turned into us adopting uh a hobo as our mascot in the <laughs> 80s uh, his name was Bo rambler and then we decided that maybe our commitment to social justice didn't jive super well with having a giant plush homeless person having a homeless uh, person be a mascot yeah <laughs> yes yeah not ideal and so now the rambler is a wolf okay i, I can i can dig it i can dig it like the wolf yeah. of grecio that's franciscan yeah exactly yeah we are our, our student newspaper at franciscan is the is the troubadour and a troubadour is similar it's like just someone who walks around homeless playing the guitar and i'm like i don't know how it fits with newspapers but yeah sure i'm down <laughs> yeah uh, yeah exactly so what, what do you, so you said you're an assistant editor, right? Yeah, I actually, I actually just got promoted this week. I, I'm now I an saw associate that. Congratulations. editor. Congratulations. Big kid. Thank you. Uh, so I'm an associate editor. So that means uh, for me, I do a little bit of everything. Um, 
So I co-host the podcast. Um, I do, but I also do some writing, um, some editing, some proofreading, copy editing, first editing um, for the magazine. I work a lot. Uh, I'm on our arts and culture team. So the magazine's sort of divided into little teams that all work together. Um, I'm on our arts and culture team, which I have a lot of fun with. Um, but I also will help review some of our like uh, our opinion stuff, our faith and focus stuff, even though I'm not in any way directly responsible for that. Uh, which is always great for me because when pe- people always want to ask if they can write for the magazine and I can always say like, Oh, someone else is going to reject that or accept it. But that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that is really nice. So reading, writing, editing, uh, but I'm also on the digital team. So I did a lot of work on America's social media uh, for a while and I still help a lot with that, though I'm not doing the day-to-day tweeting anymore. Uh, yeah, that so can, that can get, uh, that can get pretty tedious. I did that twice and it was not for two different organizations and it was not uh it was not the most fun thing in the world, but it was, it was cool. Like talking to people and getting that information out. Did you, did you yeah, enjoy so it? I did. And the biggest thing that I got from that was trying to, you know, take America, which is a, it's a legacy print magazine. Um, and I was sort of, I came here, uh, when I got here in 2015, we were in, uh, we were in an old, uh office so we basically used to operate under the jesuit community so i was literally working for the priests who lived upstairs um and since then we sold our building we've redesigned our magazine we uh relaunched the website and so we've really like come into and really taken seriously social media we were convinced that it's no longer a fad um that we need to be there uh and so trying to honestly like communicate uh some print media to a to a social audience um so if you if you've noticed that we've gotten clickbaity with our headlines it's by and large my fault <laughs> i mean that's how you have to go nowadays clickbait is just you know part of the game well, yeah and what i mean it doesn't have to be necessarily clickbait but there there's still like a uh, a difference in headline writing where you used to like you know, when I, 20 years ago, I would sit down with my cup of coffee and I would be reading, you know, the, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or what have you. And I and I was in that mode. I was in the newspaper mode. I'm going to. So I was like, oh, I, this this headline has a pun in it. That's funny. I wonder what it is. And I'm going to go find out. Uh, and you're sort of you've got a reader trust there that you don't have on social media. Right. Yeah. So your, your headlines that you're writing, the pictures that you're using are all next to uh, overhead recipe tutorials and like cat gifs so yeah there's no guarantee that you're no one no one wants is going to read your your tweet unless you unless you get them yeah um and those mean you have to be dishonest but you, you can't take for granted someone else's attention yeah it's 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 a jur- journalism i took one journalism class and i was blown away by all of the rules that you have to follow in in headline writing and when I when we did our first like headline writing assignment, my teacher looked at me. He was like, "You're writing like it's a clickbait article," and I was like, "I'm sorry, those are the only headlines that I see." So, but I also, like, I like I I think like that's you you you'd be in a better spot. I mean, like because on the one hand, there's like you could see that as dishonest and manipulative, and there there are clickbaity headlines that do that. But there's also like. And you, you just want to like, maybe it's a, a straight sentence, whereas before you would cut out like all the filler words. So, mm-hmm. you know, instead of Pope, Pope goes to uh, international meeting, you would like in a clickbaity quote unquote headline, you would write Pope Francis delivers strong message to United Nations on uh, 
why we need to give up nuclear arms. Yeah. And it's much more descriptive and it's like right in front of you and it's Top there button. and it's, yeah, it's not. It, and it's, that's still true. Right. Like, cause at the heart of it, all the rules are there. So, so you're, you're doing what journalism should be doing, just telling the mm-hmm. truth. Um, yeah, I think in, so the, in the not, traditional in the traditional rules, like you wouldn't say it's a strong message because someone might not think it's very strong. But in this in this kind of newer internet, you need to say you need to promise, like, yeah, it's just in my in my opinion, it's a strong message. So you should hear this message, and so that kind of like influences people to come and read it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we can we can sit here and agree with each other on like you know, man, stuff has really <laughs> changed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Since you know, I was seven yeah it's, it's ridiculous and right. I, I i thought it was the, the the biggest thing that i noticed when you guys started the podcast i was intrigued that america magazine was starting a podcast i know like you know huffington post has podcasts and i think maybe everybody has podcasts so like online publications have them that makes sense but i was surprised that a print publication would have a podcast what was what was the the motivation for you guys to start one so it starts a little bit with trying to get the magazine um, and the culture that was a very print first, print focused culture here at the magazine. And uh, Father Matt Malone, who's the editor in chief, he, he, he made a very strategic uh, long term plan to become a digital first organization. Uh, it didn't mean we were going to give up the print magazine, but we needed to retool all of our workflows and every, the way we thought about everything uh, to be digital first. Right. So, like, you know, you might not we, we had a website but everything, but it sort of was second fiddle to, to the print mag. Like we would, we wouldn't put an article on the website until it had gone through the magazine first, which, you know, that's not really good sense in a lot of cases anymore. Mm. So that's sort of the context is we we were becoming digital first. And as part of that, um, you know, podcasting is obviously huge. Everyone has their own podcast now. Um, and I think there are a lot of reasons why people love podcasts um, and people love podcasting. The reason I, I always say is like, you know, you are so, you are so close to that mic that you're using right now. Um, right. You're, yeah. you're, you might be inches away from it. And then all of a sudden I put my headphones in and I'm all of a sudden inches away from your mouth. How many people do you let like that close to your mouth? <laughs> like very little, like it's such an very intimate, few, maybe uh, only often. 10. A day. Yeah, right. A day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such an intimate experience and i think a lot of people are craving that um Ooh, yeah and so it, and it just like allows for an imaginative storytelling uh in ways that other mediums don't mm-hmm. um and so me and my other co-host uh ashley mckinless and olga segura um we're three young catholics um and we're lay people uh we, we basically like found ourselves having you know really good conversations about uh, our own faith lives, about the the news that we were covering, about people we were uh, seeing interviewed and we, at a bar after work. And we thought, you know, this would make a great podcast, you know, which are you know famous last words. But uh, <laughs> and that's, that was sort of the impetus. But we worked really hard to kind of make it uh, tight and professional and something that people, you know, want to would want to like listen to and show their friends. Um, and so that's what we're we're trying to do. We're not trying to be uh, we're not really evangelical in like like of course we are evangelizing and mm-hmm. um, we're trying to spread the gospel, but we're not like 
we're not necessarily teaching anything on the podcast. I think we don't come at it as like experts in Ignatian spirituality, but we are practicers of Ignatian spirituality. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like as a, you know, a 25 year old in uh, New York um, right now at this point in my life. And if you can see me practicing that either doing it well or badly, uh, you should be, you hopefully can draw lessons from that uh, for your own life, for your own spiritual life, for how you consume the news, for how you talk to people or encounter people. That's, that was, I think the impetus behind the, the podcast. So to start out as you guys thinking, Hey, we should do this. And then America was like, sure, go ahead. I mean, that's honestly like one of the best things about working here is that they've made an investment in, uh, young adult Catholics, you know, um, for, you know, a hundred years, this magazine was only Jesuits, only old and a lot of the times older Jesuits, um, sitting around a table, uh, trying to decide, like figure out who Bruce Springsteen was. Um, (laughs) but you know, one of Father Malone's like big initiatives was investing in young people and trusting them too. Um, and there, there's a lot of support. If you, if honestly, if you care about something a lot, um, they're gonna give you the resources you need to succeed. And Matt always, and Father Matt always likes to say, you know, America Magazine has always used like we would when Telegraph was sort of cutting edge technology and reporting on uh, the World Wars. That's what America was using, and so. You know, if podcasting is the way that we're communicating uh, the the news at the intersection of the church and the world, then that's where we need to be today. Well, then kudos to them, because I think that there aren't very many large Catholic companies that are willing to do that. I've talked to several unnamed Catholic media organizations, and there are a few good ones, but <laughs> a lot of them are like, well, yeah, yeah we, we have we have podcasts. And by that, they mean they have radio shows they've recorded and posted later. But like you said, it doesn't matter if if you if you post the, the blog post or the headline, if you wait to post it online until after the magazines come out, it's too late and it doesn't it's not going to garnish enough attention. Nope. So it's the same thing with radio shows. And I think it's I think it's hilarious that a print publication is more cutting edge on audio production than a lot of radio, Catholic radio companies, but yeah. Well, and that's, that is honestly like, a, we, when we, we were there, we, we have a, we have a show on Sirius XM and we still do. Um, and we would take that and put a segment of it on our, in a podcast feed, but it, it doesn't do this. It's not the same. Like, it's not the same thing. Uh, no, not at all. And I think, you know, part of, and this is true evangelization. Like you, you, you sort of enculturate yourself to where you are in order to speak the gospel to ears that can listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can't trying to force uh, different media on each other um, muddles that. Yeah. I think, I think there's, it's good to have these conversations, I think. And as, as we talk about this, I'm wondering what can our listeners really do about this? Um, because the answer is really nothing. I mean, our average listener can't change large Catholic but, media but companies. You, and You can a little and where you yeah. divert your attention, like your attention is, is an economy. And like the, the best thing young people can do in the church is just like demand better. Right. Mm. Like don't settle for like that, like whether it's like the, the bulletin in your parish, like it looks like crap probably. Yeah. <laughs> and like you should, you should like in the most loving way possible, like tell, tell someone that. Uh, like, hey, maybe it's time that we the, par- the parish bulletins look this way for 
you know, 40 years, why? Um, or, you know, I've actually got some graphic design experience. Could I, I'd be happy to like offer up some help. Um, but I think you're missing out on a lot of young people because of the way this looks. I think that's something every, in, in the same way with podcasts, just like, don't listen to the bad ones. <laughs> And I mean, and actually, it may it may very well be possible that most Catholic organizations, at least the smaller ones like parishes, are looking for, man, I wish our bulletin didn't have the same clip art picture of a dove on it every single freaking week. Can we get someone else to do something about this? And they just don't know where to look. The last two jobs that I had were in marketing slash like new media branches of the company because I went to them and I asked them, Hey, can I work for you? I know how to do new media things. And they were like, yeah, sure. Run our social media for us. Um, and it, it went great. So I guess maybe if you have new media experience, not everyone has, not everyone with a Twitter account has, you know, social media skills. You kind of have have a little bit of an education, but if you have graphic design background, I guess if you're good at what you do, maybe knock on the door a little bit and ask people. Yeah. uh, hopefully you'll be met with, you know, an open mind, but, and if not, you've got to be, I mean, you've got to be persistent. I mean, there's countless stories of saints who are like turned away, who are young and turned away at first, but like just kept, you know, kept at it, kept knocking at the door. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a very generous reading you had of like, (laughs) they're looking at the bulletin and going, Oh man, I wish we could do something. My, 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 (laughs) My cynical view, my cynical view is that they're not even thinking about it. And like you tell them it's, maybe not great in there like well we don't have a budget for that sorry it's got to be this way <laughs> you don't have a budget to create a new template um yeah oh my gosh is it why is it the same pastel greens oranges and reds they're all every it's 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 weird because we've parish bulletins seem to just be uniform across the board they all look the same but they all look the same horribly you know what i mean i don't know they're like they're like a chinese menus <laughs> you, know, you notice that every every menu in a chinese restaurant it's all it's all kind of faded it's like all it's and it's very similar with parish bulletins and i'm uh for a little while i was sort of thinking about writing something on this but I, i'm almost certain there's like two suppliers in the entire country of parish bulletins. yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. it's it's one of those things you don't think about and that's kind of the point is we should start thinking about these things because Everything that everything that Disney World does is marketed. You know what I mean. Everything oh, that yeah. everything that um, Coca Cola and McDonald's has is down down to the T. So why aren't we looking at things a little bit differently? And why aren't we like branding certain things a little differently? Not because not because it gets more customers, but because it just looks better. You know, uniformity and like design. There's beauty in it, and that's why it's attractive. And so we should be on the forefront of beautiful things in the church. And, and, but we we should also care about getting more quote unquote customers, right? Like yeah. we have a mandate from Jesus to go and evangelize and go out and get people, um, and so we should we should care about that too. Um, and you know we don't need we're not looking for consumers, we're looking for uh, souls. Yeah. But I think like as you pointed out, like people are attracted to beauty and excellence. Um, and yeah, I, man. I'm, trying to decide how many rabbit holes in a parish life we could go into right now but pick one where, where's your where, where's your mind going this is the crunch man there's no there's no rules but i was just thinking like there's a huge like a lot of people love to debate the whole like should there be guitars or drums at mass or not or should it just all be like uh st louis jesuits or should it all be uh mozart or whatever but like people i talk to when they're like oh i hate it i hate guitars at mass and i was like no you hate crappy guitarists 
you don't you don't actually like if Eric freaking Clapton was up there playing <laughs> guitar in mass, you would be like, oh wow, this is really moving. Or you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I tend to think that the debate comes down to that more than anything. I guess that that's that is pretty simple. I can draw. I, there's a pretty good analogy here, right? Like we we tend to disavow branding because we've seen bad branding, right? So obviously branding is bad. We tend to disavow guitar because we've seen so many bad guitarists. And the guitar is an interesting instrument because pretty much anybody can pick it up and think they can play it. It's, I mean, you can Google how to play four chords and you can play pretty much any song. So more people right. try to play the guitar. Um, fewer people just try to play the organ. But man, right. there are some <laughs> bad organists out there. And it's just the worst, most grating thing in the middle of mass when they're just playing just dumb hymns from the 19 whatevers and it's just dusty stuff they found in the back of an old old hymnal and i'm like oh my gosh why are you playing this yep that that no one can sing not let alone them i mean (laughs) have you heard that song sing to the mountains no no but i I would love to hear a little oh oh yeah it's um sing to the mountains shout to the sea and those are the first lines and i'm like i've heard nothing about god and i've been in mass for two minutes already I was like, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> it was, it was just, I was like, I've never oh, heard man. a song so shockingly bad. It was yeah. written by a Jesuit. Unfortunately, I looked at the bottom, man. No, no. You know, th- those are very polarizing songs. Those St. Louis Jesuit songs. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I mean, be not afraid. Uh, That's my jam. What else is there? be not afraid to jam but like that's what i mean like some people but uh, for a lot of people it makes them think of like a very traumatizing time in their life because it was probably played at a loved one's funeral oh yeah true and so and so they hate it um uh... <laughs> <laughs> probably played badly at someone's funeral that's the worst bad funeral music yes exactly because if you think yeah. of those songs some it depends on who your music director was when you were like around the ages of seven and eight right you know if you had if you had like a really a really like prayerful guitarist or very prayerful organist and they were playing those songs you know and you're like you're like oh i have very good memories of that you know or then you have like the mm-hmm. the organist who does who's never heard of a of a dynamic in her life she's playing everything at, at mezzo piano and you're like at like half tempo what every song sounds the same we have this old music director from our church um and she she used to play things so slow we had a running joke in our family that whenever inevitably the pastor would ask everyone to like give her a round of applause we would clap in halftime 
slower than everyone else. <laughs> it was yeah. probably the meanest thing my dad and I ever did, but it was hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's always rough. That's, in, you know, turns mass when it should be an hour into hour and a half, inevitably. <laughs> so you said, you said a little bit about uh, earlier about your friends, you and your co-hosts. I've completely forgotten their names, and I feel really bad. Can you remind me? Ashley and Olga. Ashley and Olga, okay. Um, you're not like experts in Ignatian spirituality, but you're lay people practicing Ignatian spirituality. What does that look like? So the segment of the show that we that we we have is that's more faith sharing is called Consolations and Desolations, mm-hmm. um, which are Ignatian terms that are the big Ignatian prayer is the examine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Father James Martin has a new examine podcast where he it's this guided prayer um, that Ignatius popularized. Um, they they shy away from saying he invented it because then someone's going to be like, actually look at this person in the 12th century who was. So Ignatius <laughs> popularized this this meditation that you know starts with gratitude, um, but really it's meant to just do it be done at the beginning or at the end of the day, and you're supposed to walk with God through. Uh, all the very real things that happened in your life. And you're supposed to pay attention to how you felt while that was happening. And, and the big giveaway here is that your, your emotions are actually, you know, those matter. Those are that, that is God speaking to you and through you and how you respond to things and how you feel. Um, and so a consolation is, you know, having your heart directed towards God through, through an experience. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a, it's a good experience. Right. I can be consoled and I can have a, a short life, but be consoled through it where I can conversely, like I can be, you know, eating ice cream and, you know, potato chips and feeling like it's a good thing. But really, like there's there's, there's a snagging at me that's really desolating or um, so it could be what looks like a good thing, but actually is a desolating experience. So mm. what we do is once we sort of work with um one of the Jesuits here to talk about it's sort of like mini spiritual direction um, with a coworker, which is a weird experience. Uh, <laughs> but we'll talk about like this a one the one thing from our week uh, that we want to share with our audience um, where we were either consoled or desolated, um, which is kind of a difficult thing because face sharing is tough, right? Yeah. Um, but it's tougher when you can't see who's listening to it. Mm. So you can't really read, you know, you're not in the same room. Uh, you can't read their facial expressions, their body language. Um, and with podcasting, like you want to be authentic, but not too authentic Yeah, in, in a certain sense. Right. Cause all, all of a sudden, if I go to, if I go like way into my own personal stuff, like then all of a sudden it's alienating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what that means is we're, we're just, and I think the way we talk about it isn't necessarily, you know, some Jesuits might listen to it and be like, oh, they didn't quite get that right. The way they explained the consolation there, uh, you know, that was not really what, you know, I would have asked them more questions in our hour long spiritual conversation. But uh, what I've heard from lay people and Jesuits alike, that there's not any like there aren't a lot more examples of you know people willing to be mediocre or kind of good or even bad at this and do it sort of publicly. Um, but that's, so that's the approach towards the face sharing part. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are Ignatian principles. Um, 
in the in the interviews that we do um, in in the way we look at the news too um, that I could also get into. Well, that was that was something you said. I want to bring back up. You mentioned that so consolation is just something that orders your heart towards God. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it because I've always I've had I've had some interesting experiences throughout like my very limited amount of time on this earth of when I've been in a very appearingly desolate situation, like apparently desolate situation where Mm -hmm. you would think it would be negative, but my heart is actually turned towards God, even through like negative experiences and through negative emotions. Um, And I, I think I'm tempted to think of consolation and desolation as this, uh, good feeling versus bad feeling, you know, like, Oh, I feel really good about my faith versus I feel really bad about my faith. Um, yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've heard that critique of praise and worship, right? It's like, well, it's just about good feelings and all about consolation. And there's no, like, there's no emphasis on desolation or pain. Yep. And it would seem to oh, me yeah. that the the pain and the joy are united in consolation and desolation is just when you're praying and also nothing. You just, you just can't seem to turn yourself towards God. Exactly. So you, you know, and it's sort of like desolation is like knowing where God is calling you and what you're supposed to do or what you're supposed to feel. And you, you just sort of can't mm-hmm. either from, you know, human weakness or original sin or whatever it is, or, or just selfishness. Um, like, for example, I mean, just to give a couple examples, uh, uh, a few months ago, I learned, I have a cousin who's a Marine, and I, I learned that he was, I, I thought he was sort of semi-permanently stationed in an office job, um, but all of a sudden I found out he was getting deployed to Iraq, and uh, that was, he's back now, but at the time, that was a situation that filled me with a ton of sadness and anxiety. Now, the, the, those feelings in themselves aren't the desolation. The desolation was, you know, taking taking the, these things to prayer, and you know, the, what you hear in that moment, if you bring when I brought it to God, was, uh, trust me. Um, bring these feelings to me and trust me. And meanwhile, I am actively resisting that type of trust because I have a desire to control a situation, or I'm frustrated about our uh, our politics there, and all these different things, and so I'm actively resisting. Uh, that call to trust. And that is the desolation is knowing where God wants me to be and me not getting there. So how do you, how do you pull yourself out of that? Or is it, is it not something you can pull yourself out of? I think, well, I think a couple things help. Um, one of them is just showing up in mm-hmm. the sense that like you keep bringing this stuff to prayer. Um, right. Like they always say the desire to like, the desire to have the desire to please God pleases God. Right. So even if you're mm-hmm. not there, like um, the other thing that's sort of essential in Ignatian spirituality is that there's a huge emphasis on spiritual directors um, yeah. in, in, in conversation. And it's I, so, it's been so helpful in my life to, I mean, Jesuits are master spiritual directors, but they're, they're not the only ones. Um, I've had great non-Jesuit spiritual directors too, but being able to like, talk talk that out and even even when you say it putting it so plainly and having someone you know ask you questions like oh it sounds like this or where do you think god was there um those are questions that like quite frankly like the devil doesn't want you to ask yeah and so you don't 
when, when you're in your own head and b having another person there to sort of like get you to like uh, draw out the narrative of where God was in your life is essential. And so that's why, and that's why we have small groups and that's why we have uh, relationships. That's why we have spouses. Um, but there, there's this unique experience of having a spiritual director who's trained um, in that. That's super helpful. I think. I think that, I think that shows why conversational podcasts are so good in the Catholic circle. Cause that's, that's just what I, that's most of what I've seen. The most successful like spiritual direction slash spirituality podcasts are always conversational, whether it's yep. like a new person every week or the same people every week. Cause you know, like Matt, Matt Frad's got pints of the Aquinas and that's, you know, an educational podcast or their, their podcasts are like, Hey, like learn theology like this. But yeah, you, you get the most spiritual guidance and direction, not in the sense of like someone telling you what to do, but more having like a compass direction of your spirituality when two people are having a conversation. Um, yeah. And, that, that, that and would honestly, sense. I don't know if you feel this way, but I mean, my, our podcast has like kept me like super accountable in a mm. way that like, it's one thing, you know, like going to mass every week is one way of holding myself accountable, but like needing to explain to someone else every single week, uh, where God was or was not. Um, uh, I hadn't like necessarily been, I, I hadn't necessarily been held that account accountable in that way. Um, in a while, you know, I used to think like mass great. That's going to be the, the center of my prayer life. And that's going to be the thing that guides me and uh, centers me. And it is, but this is sort of like pushing me to, to go, to go deeper. Yeah. Um, how about you? Did, did podcasting affect your own faith life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, looking back on the episode, especially from last summer. So last summer was pretty eventful for me. I don't know if you ever heard those episodes, but there's like a breakup, a job loss, a crash car, a bunch of stuff like over the course of two months. And looking at the episode titles, I remember what we talked about. And I like remember where I was spiritually. And I, it's like I could see myself on a graph going up and down and not not necessarily in like the, the emotion sense, but in my the firmness of my faith and kind of having like a really good hard look at myself and saying, oh, I, I want to follow Jesus. This is how I need to do it. I had like a really amazing experience at the uh, at this big conference thing in July where I kind of renewed a call towards evangelization and like, but God was saying, you know, okay, you want to go evangelize, right? But first you need to understand who I am and you need to understand how, who you are. And so it was this, it was a call to evangelization, but at the same time it was a call to, um, a call to better relationship with Jesus and Mm -hmm. being able to see being able to look at the podcast and just see where I was then and where I am now it's helped me see my see where like see where I am and see how far I can go in a year you know and I guess you don't really need a podcast to do that <laughs> I think journaling helps no yep because journaling helps yeah journals are basically just you know podcasts to yourself or letters I guess they're more like letters yeah <laughs> I, I, did, I did the same thing with a journal that I've had since I was a sophomore in college. It's been almost two years. And so I kind of flipped through this two year log of my life in an hour. And it was like, I could, I was able to look back in, in a, in a clearer picture. Um, and yeah, that's, I think, I think the podcast has done that too. And that's sort of what the, I mean, the examine tries to like get you to do on a daily basis. And that's why, I mean, like, 
my experience of doing that, there are just so many walking back through a time in your life at any point, like you, you were talking about, like going through this journal, like this whirlwind of, you know, two years and an hour. Um, but go, even going over like 24 hours or, you know, the, you know, the 16 or 18, I was awake, um, going over those hours in like 15 minutes is also like a, a real crazy thing to like be able to walk through and notice so many like look beautiful um, and hard things that like I normally would just like let flutter from my short-term memory yeah. and, you know, recognizing, you know, Oh God was there. God was there. God. Oh, why did I feel, why did I, re- why did I act, react that way to that? They were just trying to, you know, do their job. Why was I freaking out like that? <laughs> um, and then you start to notice these patterns um, where, you know, where God is like sort of pulling you or nudging you or where, where you're sort of slipping or whatever. Um, and that's, sort of what makes Jesuits have a big emphasis on discernment. That's what makes the discernment possible, you know, or noticing those consolations and desolations throughout your day. Do you, do you know exactly where a good resource would be for an exam and understanding what the exam is and how to do it? I actually think that the new podcast is awesome. I I don't Mm -hmm. know why someone hadn't done that before. The the classic thing you would get is a little, one of those little prayer cards. Um, either at the back of the church or at a conference table or whatever um, that said, like sort of walk you through how to do it, but it's sort of like a, it's a very imaginative and it's a, it's sort of a longer prayer. It's not, yeah, uh, you're sort of left to do it on your own. And like um, having, you know, the, what makes the podcast great is like, it's someone guiding you through, okay, now, like what, what, what did you do today? What was, how did you wake up? How did you, what did you have for breakfast? What was your commute like? Uh, who did you see? What did you, what did, what did you feel? What was the weather like? How did that make mm-hmm. you feel? Okay. Now let's move to, don't, before you, you know, follow a daydream and get onto a tangent, all of a sudden father Martin's in your voice, like, okay, what was lunch like? What did you do then? And he's sort of like walking you along. And then he's, and then he goes, and then he asks you these questions. Like, what were you grateful for? What do you want to thank God for? What do you What are you sorry for? Where Where did you fall short? Um, and who do, Who do you want to pray for? And it's a very it leaves just enough room to be realistic about how much you can pray about or think about and devote and, and imagine about. Yeah. Um, and that's that. That's I guess talking about a Jesuit or Ignatian uh, emphasis. Imagination is a huge one. So what is that podcast called? And is it, I guess my first question is, is it like a, a, a weekly thing he puts out or is it just one episode where he just goes through? So it's a, so it's called the examine with father James Martin. Um, and it's, so it, it, it's, there's a new episode published every day. Mm. So it shows up in your feed every day. Um, but there's a, what they do is it's basically the same recording every week for a week at a time. So there's a, there's a little reflection at the beginning that Father Martin uh, does um, that might be related to the week's readings or uh, ordinary time or Lent or whatever. Um, and then they'll have that same reflection every day throughout the week. And then once the new week starts, there's a new reflection. But it's a daily, it's, it's published into the feed daily. Gotcha. That's helpful. So it keeps reminding. Yeah. So, yeah. so in, addition, in addition to Jesuitical, and I should spell it, J-E-S-U-I-T, I-C-A-L, in addition to Jesuitical, the exam of Father James Martin is a, it's a really good one. And this will all be in the show notes, as well as your Twitter handle, so everyone can follow you on the Accursed website. 
I know, I know. That's, that's <laughs> such a good and terrible place. Such a good and terrible. Like I, 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 I trash on it so much, but most of where I am today is because I started a stupid Twitter account when I was a sophomore in high school. So like, it's a good thing and also a horrible thing. It's one of those totally. things. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, Patrick, real quick, it's it's four thirty. I should probably get going. Uh, yes. Pretty soon. Is there any is there anything else you want to you want to get to or cover? No. In fact, I was just about to wrap it up. Where can people find you? Awesome. So you can find me at uh, my Twitter handles at Zach Davis. I, it's spelled funny. Uh, Z A C D A Y. BIS. Um, and then you can find my writing in America at americamagazine.org slash voices slash Zach dash Davis. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Zach. It was a pleasure. Everyone, don't forget to check out the Examine podcast and the Jesuitical podcast. Don't forget to follow at Zach Davis on Twitter. I'm at Catholic Pat. Ethan is at Bropostle. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. And we will see you on the Twitters.